Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub. And today I'm going to be guiding the sleigh with my my butt so bright. <laughs> blinding. It's going to be kind of shimmying, shimmying backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it just provides for I, quite the visual. That's all I'm saying. I feel like Dan today. I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> Hi, my name is Michael. I'm a chaser, and I mean, I suppose I'm the one following Trevor's red butt into the atmosphere. Well, actually, he'd be facing you. Oh, right, right. That's true. Because the butt is leading. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You got to so. tell me if there's any branches or anything. <laughs> left, go left. No, not that left. My left, not your left. <laughs> My name's Don. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And uh, today I am going to be our slow paced joy of the season. I am loving life and it's going to take me a very time to, long time to finish any sentence because when we are done with this today, I'm going to be going to go get a root canal. So Ooh. every Ooh. single monologue <laughs> I give today is going to be incredibly long. And Michael's <laughs> going to have to cut it up a lot because as long as the show doesn't end, I'm safe. So <laughs> that's true. That's we'll just true. keep talking. <laughs> what an incredible coincidence. Hi, I'm Dan Oliverio, <laughs> author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And yes, Trevor and I, after this, we too are going to the dentist. We're going to go get our gum stabbed. Oh, um, which is what we call teeth cleaning. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's dental day. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! But I, you know, as usual, I'm <clears throat> perky. <clears throat> find it. Find it. <clears throat> I mean, there it is. My don't mind speaking me. voice. <laughs> Just clearing the sewer. Uh, yeah. I was actually singing through the house the other day that it is the gum stabbingest time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, I don't know, it's Patreon plug-in time, too. That's uh, right. We have done it. We did it. It we actually did it. happened. We did the thing. We did the thing we said we are going to do. <laughs> what did we do, Trevor? We did our uh, cooking episode with appetizers. Mm-hmm. Four appetizers for the price of one. Ooh. Oh, yes. I mean, actually, no, it's the price of four appetizers. But for but you, listener. <laughs> the cost of entry. <laughs> the cost uh, of entry is just yeah. a, a meager Patreon subscription. Yeah. Five dollars or more. Um, and you get all you get that, which I think would be you would knock this as I was saying during the episode, uh, during the minisode, uh, you can go to that bitch Karen's party and just knock the socks off of anybody there and then convince them to come to your party afterwards and say, well, we got more of those. That's right. More, <laughs> more, yeah. more, socks. more of those. Yeah. Sock knocking off appetizers because <laughs> your feet are cold after that happens. You got to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah just I, th- I thought you were going to be nice and like replace their socks. No, 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 no. They gotta bring, bring your own socks or do a sock exchange. Suck and knock tizers. Oh, wow. Suck knock tizers. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Dan's over there like, please, God, save me from this. No, no, I, I you know me, I'm, I'm a word nerd, so I like suck and knock tizers. <laughs> anyway, you can find that and much more on Patreon, where we like to put all of extra content, things that are cut from the show, but are still fun and interesting, and more behind-the-scenes videos, anything else that we can think of, um, please support us there, because we need to pay the poor, poor editor who's overworked. Most of the time, particularly. (laughs) That's a whipping sound. Oh, I do have one of those. Particularly at this time of the year. um, More content. It's Yeah, it's more content, more content all the time. Except for the last week of the month, this month, I need a break. We all need a break. We need a short break. And then we'll be back bright and early. First thing, uh, start of January for the next episode. First episode of 2023. Yes. That's the regular podcast, not yeah. just Patreon. <laughs> We're moving to an all Patreon model. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'd never do that. We'd never do that. No, we would not. 
But do write in and tell us what topics you think we should start off the new year with. Oh, that'd be good. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. New Year's always has a lot of formats around it as far as like, you know, what, what are you going to do with your life? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck if I know. What, what did you do with your life last year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what didn't you like? What did you like? All right. Well, without further ado. I feel pop culture coming on. Jazz hands. I don't even know why we have the music when you boys sing along. <laughs> we do, damn it. So we're we're starting off our little holiday festival yeah, episode yeah. with steamy. Um, a suggestion. Maybe you need to pick up uh, a book or something. Uh, I don't know at your local bookstore, e-reader. <laughs> What's that? Renting uh, from your library or doing like one of those e-book library things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's and what an might they want to read about a merry little meat cute mm-hmm. by Julie Murphy and Bethany Hagen, uh, aka Sierra Simone. Um, and there was an interview with uh, Bethany Hagen in uh, the Kansas City Star mm-hmm. um, talking about the book and just kind of talking about being a writer of spicy stories. I love that spicy's become the new porno. <laughs> well, but it's like not porn porn. It's yeah. like it's like it's, that yeah. we needed a new word for that sort of middle point. I think know? well, I think moms did because they've been reading these books for generations. Yeah. yeah. And they can't and it's like, well, it's not smut. I would never read smut, but I would read something spicy. Yeah. I mean, you can't bring a porn book to your book club, but if you're gonna read Fifty Shades or Grey, you just need to you just call, you, you read Brandy called spicing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they they're doing a collaboration or did a collaboration to make this sort of what do they call it? Uh naughty and nice. Naughty yes. and nice. Naughty and nice. Um, sort of imagine like Hallmarky rom com, but starring a porn star. Yeah, <laughs> and then and she gets cast in a holiday rom com. No, but what, why this is so great is that she's a plus size. Porn yes. Star. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, we she's, should have started with that. She's a plus size that's porn the star, point. and the that's plus and, size. Yeah, and then one of her fans, unbeknownst to her, is uh, either on set or in the movie right. With no, her? I think it's her co-star. Is actually okay? knows her work yes. from that side because of the tracks. Like, yes, because <laughs> he's in. He's, he's a huge fan. Huge. Um, and then of course you can extrapolate from there. She has made a point in this article to say like, they're not shying away, even though it's Julie Murphy, who is typically known for like young adult, um, you know, sort of coming of age stories, which are much more. To remind re- to remind listeners, it's like uh, Dumplin. Yes. Which um, we talked about. Yeah. You know, God, a couple of years ago. She wrote Dumplin. And other books as well. Which was also a movie with um, Jennifer Aniston. It is just as spicy as any of the other books. And Dan, to hammer the point home, she herself uses the word spicy to describe her own book. Well, of and, course she yeah. does. Yes, and that's she my lives point. in it's Kansas the, City. The, the, it's not just the author of the article using a euphemism to no, get no, around no, saying erotica. No, 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 I agree. No, taking your coastal elite attitude <laughs> <laughs> to this delightful little, you know, homespun, <laughs> sexy book. I just look. I'm just picturing this, this, you know, this 52 year old woman in Ohio with white hair and six kids saying, like, this year. I really got naughty with the gingerbread. And I put <laughs> extra ginger. It's a but, little spicy. But that's who's going to be <laughs> reading gumdrop this. Gumdrop boobies, like, Dan. Gumdrop boobies. Gumdrop boobies, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might be the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Apple, iTunes, Apple Podcast is a little... You have to be careful what kind of words you put in the title. Yeah, they don't like spicy. <laughs> I've had a couple rejected. I've had a couple rejected before for being too <laughs> spicy. Yes. I think all of this has just kind of proved why spicy is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, so if you need a little a little Spice. saucy <laughs> holiday reading, which I'm sure is hot, just as bad. the word is hot. If, okay, no. If you want your steamy, do you mind steamy? Steamy's better. Why? Why is steamy better? <laughs> it's still a euphemism. It's closer to hot. No, because people get hot and their dicks get hot and things get hot. Dicks get (laughs) hot. Okay. If you want your flight home to grandma to be (laughs) naughty and nice and hot, pick up this book for your flight. (laughs) Um, If you have the ability to ignite penises, (laughs) I am just, I'm fascinated. I don't usually do that in public, Don, oh, but okay, yes. <laughs> I like how Trevor was trying to have a very professional wrap-up of this discussion, and we're still... No, we're still flaming penises! Okay. Fla- gumdrop <laughs> boobs and flaming penises. It's that kind of Christmas. <laughs> oh, I can't it's wait the to best kind of Christmas. Well, uh, on a worse note... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the apparently, at least in the United States, there is a Santa shortage. Wow, Which wow. I think this was, I don't know, entirely foreseeable. <laughs> I don't understand given. how a Santa shortage coincided with an obesity epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say. Yeah, when we're I was, solving this problem. <laughs> so this is from Yahoo News. And I, when I was reading this, I'm like, I actually feel like I didn't see as many of the Santas at Bigger Vegas as I normally do. That's true. San Santas. I guess I wouldn't have a point of yeah, comparison. There was, one, comparison. there was one gentleman in particular who I've seen at a lot of events. Oh, yeah. Who's not there. And I don't know if he just didn't come. If he, if God yeah. forbid something happened to him. If he just was there and I didn't see him. Like, he just kind of put his little <laughs> finger to his nose whenever I walked by. And there was a sparkly effect and he just disappeared. <laughs> I don't know. Um, That's a hell of a power to have. <laughs> you know what, though? As long as you still believe in them, they're still there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, unfortunately there aren't enough Santas. In fact, the demand having diminished, obviously during quarantine has gone up to a hundred percent, 120% of what it was yeah. in 2019. Pre-pandemic. Uh, pre-pandemic. Exactly. So well, if you think about it, there are a lot of families out there that have kids that were just, they were too young for Santa when, when the pandemic started and now they're at an age where like, this is critical Santa lap time. But, yeah. You know. We'll see. But I think part of it is because we have gone back to a point where like, pandemic's over back to normal and it's like we're still in this everything's actually, completely like, normal yeah, we have the you know quote-unquote triple demic now yeah yeah of just like, perfect these santas storm. would literally be risking risking their lives because everyone's going to go up there and say like well we can't have the kid with a mask for the photograph yeah please take off your mask while you're on this endangered gentleman's lap yeah and well and that's but what they're saying yeah you little germ nexus <laughs> <laughs> as Ger- oh as um <laughs> Miranda Priestley says uh, they're an incubus of viral plague. (laughs) We'll see. But okay, during the pandemic, we were at a mall where there was Santa, but he was like in a big snow globe. He was like kind of in a bubble. Oh, like the Uh, the Grove (laughs) did that. Yeah. Yeah. To keep him safe. Yeah. So they could still have like photo up with Santa, still talk to Santa, but he was just kind of trapped in this. <laughs> the Santa in the plastic bubble. Nightmare. Oh my God. <laughs> just when never the elves rolling him everywhere. Uh, they, they sprinkle in fish food from the top of it and then close the lid again. <laughs> no, I, I just love this quote. So Mitch Allen, founder and head elf of the event planning company, Hire Santa. You could do about, it, read it in an elf voice because that's how I did it <laughs> in my head when I was doing, reading the article. <laughs> well, what, uh, what Mitch says is, people are wanting Santa more than ever before. Yeah. But the demand is outpacing supply. Yep. For every one Santa we get that reaches out to us, 20 people want a Santa. 
<laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, listener. <laughs> what a hilarious dilemma. <laughs> and half of them want to be dentists, so. Yeah. <laughs> and no one was a Charlie in the box. <laughs> I think it is time to like face facts. Re- rebrand Santa, because there's always the thing where it's like malls kind of dance around the subject of like, well, like Santa, like he's. A Santa, kind of like 007, isn't necessarily <laughs> James Bond. Where like yeah. he's, there are these like S- Santa agents who work for like Santa, who's too busy preparing for Christmas. But like, I think just like that's Mission Impossible. This will get us, but well intentioned. This will get us on like Breitbart, Fox News, rebrand Santa. Santas at malls do not have to be old Santa. They can be young Santa. They can be female Santa. They can be non-binary well, Santa. And associated- oh, uh, can they be black Santa? <laughs> they can be what you're suggesting. Yeah. I am saying Santa can be anyone. I'm being facetious, people. Just so you, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be taken out of context there. <laughs> I have no problems with black Santas and any other kind. That clip is going to be showing up on other podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You won't believe what they're saying over at the Big Fat Gay Podcast. <laughs> Don't go there. They're crazy. <laughs> Drag Queen Santa. Here we go. That's, that is oh, the perfect wow. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. Oh. I have never had that thought before, and I'm so I glad I want you to said do that. Drag Santa. I just, I just like the idea that instead of asking whether you've been naughty or nice this year, it's like, have you been working it? <laughs> <laughs> if you want these presents, you better work. <laughs> 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 Yes, little children. <laughs> I'm picturing the elves. Like, <laughs> well, they're the backup dancers. I've never seen so many sequins on so few articles of like little tiny pieces of clothing. Okay, yeah, Santa doing a death drop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Trevor uh, did that earlier. Yeah. This week. Okay, well, we're back. Yeah. Hello, um, normal episode again. <laughs> we have mailbag. We we do. Yeah. Well, so it's. We have a special now. Which the, here's the conundrum. Play which them both at the same time. Okay, I can do that. Hold <gasps> on. And that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I'm so <laughs> confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? the no best list. in the world. What? <laughs> no listener, you're not having a stroke. <laughs> oh, thank God, it's not just me. Don't say that, Trevor. They could be having a stroke. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Today we have a very special fat watch that's also a mailbag <laughs> because, of course, we're good. <laughs> resorting to this nonsense at the holidays. <laughs> I Personally, this is one of my favorite fat watches ever. So, hi, BFGP. So to preface my fun little prompt, I wanted to make sure this thing was clear uh, in case you decide to talk about it. Open AI's guidelines for sharing content. Quickly rap- ripping through these. Manually review each generation before sharing or while streaming. Attribute the content to, you, to your name or your company. Indicate that the content is AI generated and in no way user could possibly miss or misunderstand. Do not share content that violates our content policy or that may offend others. If taking audience requests or prompts, use good judgment. Do not input prompts that might result in violations of our content policy. Oh, that's the end of it. <laughs> anyway, the actual mailbag is I got to, uh, I got the open AI, which if you don't know, so you can write prompts into this AI and it will give you an answer. It will just generate an answer based on whatever you asked it to do. And it's, it's incredibly flexible. You can do all kinds of crazy shit. They were doing this. Uh, Max, my brother-in-law, is especially obsessed with this. And in this case, this listener said, I got the open AI to do a cute Dr. Seuss poem. This was my prompt. 
Write a poem by Dr. Seuss from a version of Earth where getting fatter has been the epitome of beauty for the past century. Do not mention the word health, weight loss, sim, uh, gyms, fitness, or the word epidemic. And this is the AI's reply. I am big and round and plump, and I love every jiggly lump. <laughs> I don't care what others say. I embrace my size each and every day. I am proud of my fat rolls and stretch marks, and I flaunt them with joy and with spark. I don't need to be thin to be beautiful, for beauty comes in all shapes and sizes, full. So let's all celebrate our curves and our girth and embrace the beauty of our size and our worth. We are beautiful. We are strong. And we are proud to be fat and fabulous all day long. Well, this was excellent. <laughs> so I, I, wanted, I wanted that to come from either Trevor mm. or I because that is the first poem about size I've ever read that where it, it, feels, it feels so internal. Right. Like mm -hmm. it feels like an affirmation, mm -hmm. like this sort of thing that like I'm supposed to memorize and repeat to myself, looking at myself in a mirror, that sort of thing. Mm. I mean, you certainly could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's a lovely, lovely image. And I, I, I find it I find it like a really interesting point in time where we have AI generating these messages that appear to contain so much depth and beauty, but they're they come from an empty place. So I feel it's interesting. It's like it's a poem that the author had no emotion in. So mm. I am sinking all of my emotion into it in, in, in its place. Does yeah. that make any kind of no, sense? I get that. I get that. There, I think, it's a I think weird thing. There's a lot to say about AI stuff. I think especially with AI-generated art, which there's a lot of controversy about, there's, which yeah. um, I think valid. overall it's valid. And I think um, AI-generated art is harmful in ways, which I'm not, this is not the time to really get yeah, into that. Yeah, that's a whole um, but uh, to Don's point about it not really having emotion is um, so Bon Appetit for one of their things. Or, or I don't know if it was Bon Appetit or New York Times. I think it was New York Times actually. I can't it, remember. Um, did was using OpenAI to generate Thanksgiving menus and recipes. Okay. And then they tested them and tasted them, and the general consensus was like these are fine, but they like lack the soul that comes with cooking. Like there's just this emptiness to it where it's like, this is edible or, you know, fine or whatever, like, or interesting a cake. Yeah. And, and in yeah. some cases even good and other times wacky. Cause you're like, Oh, cause I said X and Z yeah. it put these two things together and okay. Not terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you could tell it was not made with love. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> no. So it's our, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. Yes. It's time for our holiday special of discussing 2006's last holiday. I remember so. 2006. It was a kindler, gentler, simpler time. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember 2006, you weren't doing 2006 right. <laughs> I was 16. <laughs> oh, and it was goodness. a terrible, terrible time. I had just ended my 40s. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. The, the relevant part of that was not 2006. Yeah. It was the last holiday. The, the film, movie. The romantic comedy, which... I hesitate to call it a romantic comedy. It kind of is. I think I love it so much because it isn't. Yeah. It's more about Queen Latifah's character's journey of self-expression and self-discovery. Yeah. Yes. Um, Dan, did you want to do a little a little summary before we get into it? Yeah. So should I utterly spoil it? Um, yeah, because we're talking about it. And then, yeah. listener, if you haven't watched it and still want to, pause here, go watch it and come back. So Queen Latifah, whose character is- Georgia Bird. Georgia Bird, mm -hmm. uh, plays a, a, a worker at something like you can imagine maybe- Craigans. Craigans, yeah. which is kind of- Macy's. Like, 
What is that? Macy's. Macy's esque. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say William Sonoma Some because they have a lot of home goods, but also mm-hmm. a lot of cooking. She does a cooking demonstration. Mm-hmm. And the point is that she has a mishap at work, but luckily. <laughs> Work has an MRI machine. <laughs> no, no, no. They used sent her to the MRI hospital. Machine. They, they sent her to the hospital. I'm not so sure. No, no they sent hospital. her to like a clinic. It was no, a no. It's a clinic. On-site. It was an insight. Yeah, because they were saying like it, it was the whole like we we have this used machine. We may as well make use. Yeah, that's of the concession. It, oh, it would be too oh. unbelievable for them to have a new MRI machine. So it's used. Okay, right. So <laughs> which is actually a plot point. And honestly, you know, I tell you that, but in the movie, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. You just go with you it. You just go with it. Because <laughs> she's in an MRI machine because she had a fall, hit her head, uh, got knocked unconscious. And they find out that, oh my God, she has this incurable brain tumor disease. So faced with this reality, she decides that she's going to live, live, live. And she blows all her savings on this incredible tour because she's been saving up all these ideas, all these fantasies mm-hmm. and things she would do possibilities. someday. It's her possibilities book. Someday, one day. And she's like, you know, fuck this. If I'm going to die, because they give her like three, three weeks. Three weeks, yeah, like- yeah. So she, if you don't, if you don't spend all your money in three weeks, it will have been for naught. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, she goes and she goes to this, this spa in Prague that she's always wanted to poop. Is the name of the spa? She thought it was boop, but it's poop. It's poop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, y'all really say it that way? Yeah, it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was at least French, like poop. And also but has not. her favorite chef. Uh, has her favorite that chef. That works there and does uh, Played by like, Gerard Depardieu. And, who is fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the point is, wonderful things happen to her. She discovers she she discovers her love, and it turns out, huh, the MRI machine, you know, having been a used MRI machine, uh, is giving these same diagnoses to all the patients Everybody. who go in. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same brain spots. So they're like, okay, so that she gets this telegram at the last minute that she's not going to die, but that's okay because she won a bunch of money in the hotel casino. So now she starts a restaurant. And yes. and the, the main point of her journey was that before she got this diagnosis, she was very sort of quiet, reserved, mm-hmm. didn't stand out, didn't speak up, didn't, didn't do anything to put herself in any kind of risk. The very first scene is she's in the church choir and is the quietest person in the choir. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And she, she then says, fuck it, if I'm going out, I'm going to go out in style. And she learns to speak up. She learns to just live life and have mm-hmm. fun. And uh, there is, I would even call it a subplot of her being in love with this guy from work. Oh, um, can I just say, so LL cool it's J. LL Cool J, and he is so friggin' handsome and hot in this movie. <laughs> Jesus. No, I, I think hot, but he, also like yeah. sweet. Yeah, sweet, like, it's, yeah. Just like, it's the sweetness that made him hot to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, exactly, yeah. Don, exactly. Meanwhile, she's been having her own adventure, her own sort of um, journey of self-expression and joy, and she gets wrapped up in this sort of political game with uh, the founder of the store that she worked yeah. at, who's like this... Sort of, um, uh, who's the motivational speaker guy? Uh, the, it's not Tony Robbins, if that's true. It's not but Tony it's Robbins, a, it's, but it's kind of like Tony, if you mash Tony Robbins up with Elon Musk. It's yeah. basically, so he's this greedy son of a bitch, you know, white guy who has this empire. And to capitalize on that as if it weren't enough, well, because his whole message is enough is never enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's the title of his book. His business book is Enough is Never Enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her boss is reading this book and thinks he's a genius. <laughs> and um, anyway. well, given that people have probably watched this movie coming into it, I think we should get to our reactions. I this I, I inexplicably I hate holiday movies. I hate rom-coms. I love <laughs> this movie. Uh, no, I don't think it is inexplicable. I get that because it is, it's not aggressively either of those things. Mm-hmm. It, at its core and on its surface, it is very much about a woman, a, a fat woman's journey towards having 
absolute finding absolute joy in self-expression. And that's I think that's the movie. And I think that's why I love it. I also love that, you know, when she learns to speak up and she learns to speak out, but she is never, ever, ever not nice to people. Yeah. Mm. My favorite, like, because there's a lot of examples of how she sort of starts one way and then changes, but my favorite one and I, I, because I've d- ex- discovered the same thing was that she loves cooking. It's yes. her passion. At the end, she opens a bistro because that has always been her dream. And she's following all of these recipes from TV chefs like Emeril, making these dishes along at home uh, for her family members. She makes them, she puts everything into it, and then she serves them, and then she eats lean cuisine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't that allow herself. a really nice character mm-hmm. point. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful it, examples of show, yeah. not tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the wrap, the, the wraparound to this was that when she gets to this uh, hotel, this beautiful spa hotel with the chef who works the restaurant, who is like this world renowned chef, she sits down, she sees the menu. Apparently, he doesn't serve the same thing twice. And so she mm-hmm. says, I'll have one of everything. And yeah. this wins yeah. him over more than any other person who shows up there, any other ambassador or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, all, because as a contrast to that, the snotty rich people are all like, you know, I want to have this, but no butter. I want to have this, but no butter. with no dairy. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what well, the fuck? Yeah, which is, kind of, which is the chef's reaction in the kitchen. But of course, you know, he serves whatever he serves. But yeah, uh, no, no, big, she, yeah, well, I'll have one of all of his specials. She doesn't know the entire menu, just the special sure, menu. Sure. Which, which is, is like, like 10 dishes. Yeah, it's a significant thing. Yeah. Uh, it's Trevor's dying to say something. Yeah, well, um, so I love that. I love, I mean, I love all the cooking stuff in the movie, mm-hmm. which they work with Food Network for that part. But before, so before she goes to the the restaurant, it's kind of the um, she's had her diagnosis. We've already seen her cooking and everything, and she's going through her possibilities cook, her possibilities book, where she takes and, pictures of all yeah, the food and like flipping through, like I should have eat that. I should have. Oh yeah, that. her regrets in life are like she looks at the picture, like I should have eaten that. I should have eaten that. all that stuff. And <laughs> it looks like, so good. I think my favorite line is, "I want to put my foot in that." <laughs> <laughs> like it's so good, I want to put yeah. my foot in it. Yeah. <laughs> She is, so much like Dan, I don't think I've seen Queen, Latif- Queen Latifah in much. and But it's never been, I think I saw her in one movie like as a sort of a featured guest star and it, it was fine, but she was kind of already the, per- like she was already the queen. Like she was mm-hmm. already Queen Latifah. Whereas in this, she looks much more like an ingenue, like younger mm-hmm. and, and you, I, I didn't know where she was coming from as an actress going into this. But she is fantastic. She's wonderful. She's oh, so she's earnest. She's been a really good actress ever, ever since she first showed up on the scene. She yeah. turns in good work. The, the yeah. really, for this movie in particular, it's the earnestness is just, she is a kind, good, like self-defined person who gets to express herself and mm. come out of her bubble and say what she means. And she's never an asshole about it, but she's always direct. And you just like, you just have to admire that. Yeah. It's so- yeah refreshing <laughs> I for me the other thing just as a technical writer thing that I am just so in awe of is when you can link you know in, in, a, in a movie like this you need a lot of devices you need a lot of ways to get people to mm-hmm. organically like at some point she's been put in the presidential suite because they say your room isn't going to be ready for two hours and they and she says have you got anything else and they guys well we have the presidential suite uh, well, and, and she, her time is precious. Yeah. And her time right. is precious. So yeah. I haven't got two hours. So put me in the presidential suite. Yeah. Because yep. um, again, she's going to blow all her money anyway. Uh, so anyway, her personal valet finds out that she's going to die. And she says to uh, Georgia, are you, are you sure you want to be here with these terrible people? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you rather be at home with your loved ones? And, and, and Georgia says, yeah, I, I guess I would. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the device that's so genius. 
So there's been an avalanche blocking the one road to the hotel. Because it's on a mountain. It's on yeah, a mountain. It's it's way up that's there. completely believable, right? Because yeah. it's in this obscure part of the forest. So she can't get out mm-hmm. to go home. So she mm-hmm. comes back to the hotel. This, this avalanche that blocks the road has three separate purposes. It keeps her at the venue because mm-hmm. it gives her a reason she can't go home. Mm-hmm. Two, it creates an interesting tension of her would-be suitor trying to get to her. And Literally at the same he's time. Got it, so then he has to hike through the mountains to get to her as, a, as an offering of his love. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part is there's a scene later where she ends up, like mm, what would be her yeah. fantasy? Cooking in the kitchen with her celebrity chef idol. Mm-hmm. How does that achieved? Well, it's achieved because they've closed the road and the regular staff can't get to the kitchen. So she's there to help out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I missed that, but genius. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, that was genius. very clever. Yeah. And it also made for a beautiful scene. Yes. Oh, right? I love that mm-hmm. scene. Because really, it, that honestly could have just been sort of shoved in at the last minute. Right. But they're... The use of Gerard Depardieu up to that point with her and cultivating their relationship culminated in that scene with this beautiful interaction between people really connecting. Yeah. Over mm-hmm. a passion. You know? over, over a, a pa- shared Over their passion shared passion. Yeah. And they're okay. from completely different worlds. And yeah, because how do you get her in the kitchen? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she's she's not quite impersonating a, a rich and powerful person, but people assume she is because yeah. she's there. She's spending all this money. And she's spending mm-hmm. all this money. She looks great. And- so, but how do you get her in the kitchen? Oh, because she's the kind of person where if you're short-staffed, she will muck in. Yeah. She'll like, roll up her sleeve. So it's yeah. also character. It, it's just, it's so fucking smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that point in the movie, they've already developed such a friendship to the point that they've gone off together just to hang out, just to have spend a day. They together. go shopping together for they the restaurant shopping. meal that night. Yeah. They connect. He says, you and I both know the meaning of life. And she's like, well, what's that? And he's like, butter. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, they nailed it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, cause she, she, she it, it, it cracks up. It, it cracks her up and she goes, Oh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, so my biggest regret with this movie was that I forgot to watch it soon enough. Oh. And so my partner, Michael, went back home to Tennessee to his family to visit, and then I'm going to go meet him. Uh, I'm flying actually tomorrow morning. So, But I watched this last night after he had left, and I was watching it like, damn it, I, ah, I'm an idiot for not remembering to watch this while he was here because it is one of those like feel-good, like... Affirming. Ah, affirming, fun, yeah. funny, delightful... Mm-hmm. Movies like I, I totally get it. I would mm-hmm. absolutely watch it. And and I, I maybe I'm a little bit kinder to the kinds of movies that you don't like, like sure. holiday movies or anything. Mm-hmm. But not that much. Like they're not my thing either. Yeah, I totally get it. With you this should. One. You don't need to be vaccinated before you see it, though. Exactly. <laughs> uh, one thing I loved, which I didn't really think about it. I've seen this movie like a dozen times, but I didn't think about it until this watch was. So Jane Adams plays her best friend. Jane Adams, uh, Mel from Frasier. Mm-hmm. So she. They put the mousiest little white woman in what would normally be the, the black, black best friend role. role. Yeah. yeah. And it's it was brilliant. And casting. I just really got it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. They reversed it. Yeah. And it's so perfect and just like so wonderful and kind of like bizarro world to be like, wow, this is. This is what that's <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I feel like it's also a really good move for this time year because it's, it's, I, and this is going to sound like I'm talking down to it. I don't mean to. Uh, it's it goes down really easy. There's yeah. very yeah. little in this mm-hmm. movie to challenge or contest. Right down to the third act break, right the thing that really is supposed to tear her apart and do all that stuff according to yeah. act yeah. structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is someone revealing? Ooh, 
you work like you work in this department store for you fraud. Mm-hmm. You're, You're a not fraud, actually a rich ambassador. Which the stakes were for the one person who revealed it was the only person who cared. The villain right? of the movie, basically. Right. Well, and he's vilified for revealing it. Yeah, like, exactly. He's crucified. Like he almost, yeah. he decides he wants to kill himself because <laughs> yeah. everybody leaves him at that you know, point. So, but yeah. it's a very so for me it was interesting that you called it the anti Hallmark movie because those sort of like low critical stakes Mm -hmm. uh, making the movie so easy to watch are very signature of the Hallmark thing for me, but the lack of it, it didn't feel Hallmark schmaltzy. Never. No. Um, I hope everyone knows what schmaltzy means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so for (laughs) me, what do you fuck? Of course. (laughs) I, I I would react very badly normally to just a schmaltz movie. Mm -hmm. And this didn't trigger that for me. So I I liked how they use that moment because when they're all at the new year celebration at dinner and she's sitting Mm -hmm. there and then he stands up, the villain Cragen to give a toast to basically revealing like, Oh, she's not who she said she is. She's a liar. And then instead of that, you know, typically a movie would take that moment and have everybody turn against her. Right. As, yeah. as Don says, that, as yeah, Don that's saying, forth, yeah. and they flip it where instead of that, she, you know, this whole time, very few people know that she's dying. Only two or three people at, at this point know, and she's tried to tell people and it hasn't worked. And then eventually she decided to just hide this and cover it up. And so the reveal is not so much that, you know, she's not who she said, it's that she is dying, but she gets to say it. Yeah. She gets to stand mm-hmm. up and say, you know what? You're right. And this is why. And, th- and, and so they immediately flip this moment that would have worked one way into her owning the fact that this is the future she's facing and that this is who she is. I highly recommend this movie. Yes. If you haven't seen it and you've somehow decided to listen to this episode, <laughs> um, go watch it. It's, yeah. it's very much yeah. worth your time. I think it's so interesting. I would love to know. So, you know, this was, this is a remake of a British film that has, it's basically the same, except it like has a downer ending because it's British and exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, so there was, it's a terrible tragedy because it, it's British. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they, this was written for John Candy, but he passed away and then it was shelved. And I would be dying to know who rediscovered it. Well, like what was, how much was changed? And mm. cause I'm sure there was stuff that was changed. Like, yeah. I mean, to go from John Candy to Queen Latifah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I think it's so <laughs> interesting to just like, I was thinking about like well, what this would have been like with John Candy and just how it would be so different because fat white guy fish out of water versus, you know, fat black woman. There, there are some things in here that like, you know, I, I didn't bring up because like, you know, it's, this isn't the place for it, but like race is not addressed in this movie. Right. Like as someone, not, 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 o- not overtly, not overtly. because it's American, it's I, always there. I, I disagree. I, I was watching this movie and it's like the fact that she's black doesn't really play with any of the interactions with any of the main well, characters. I, I get what you're saying. They're not, they're not using a sledgehammer to do it, but I will finish your point. But I, I, I actually disagree. Yeah. Well, I, I was watching the interactions and just like people make certain assumptions about her because she's black in the split second. But uh, one of my one of my issues with the movie is that everybody's opinions about everyone else changes on a dime. Yeah. Just instantly with no thought. So that does happen in life, <laughs> but not for every single human being in the movie. Mm, perhaps not. Yeah. Uh, so f- the best example for that for me was the valet yeah. where she's, mm-hmm. you know, this evil mustache twirling. You know, I can't wait to, you know, get everything. And then the transition to her being on her side is so abrupt and so complete. But it makes sense to me because she finds the note where she's dying. I mean, it's a big deal. But making sense and making an, like, and bringing you on the change are two different things. I think, so my take on that, because I could see that, like the movie doesn't give you much mm -hmm. to buy that moment. But my take of it was, 
you see the the valet, you see her, and she is this stern, very you know stick up her ass type, uh, who wants nothing to do with any kind of fun. She's basically the anti Georgia in that she's a working class woman who just has no joy in her life and no desire to be nice. At one point, Georgia says like, what do you do for fun? He says, I shine the shoes that people leave in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> and my take on it was that she is, she is like the, she is like Georgia. If Georgia had grown up mm-hmm. and just gotten older and older and more and more bitter. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and she, all she really needed was one excuse not to be like that anymore. That was my take. And so she got that in this heartbreaking realization that I think she identified with Georgia. I think she identified a kind of, we're from the same place. She knew that Georgia, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, she knew Georgia wasn't this wealthy person. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, she knows that. Yeah. She After knows that she reads she, the letter. No, she finds the ID card from the store. Yeah. She yes, finds the store ID true. card. But, but in the same scene. In the same yeah. scene. In the same scene. I, I, that's splitting hairs. But, you know, she, she does say, she, there's that recognition, I'm agreeing with you, Michael, where- where uh, the valet says, like, why are you here with these terrible people? She knows they're terrible people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's taking money from the terrible people. She's doing work for the terrible people. Why are you here with these terrible people? But yeah. that's that's not a moment of recognition. That's, no, 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 no. That's the result I, of I actually want to I want to speak to that point you made, Don, because I, I actually do agree with you that it's never like you it's never scripted or depicted the race thing. Mm-hmm. However, here's how I think it works. Remember the movie was originally British. So J.B. Priestley, who's a, a British playwright and screenwriter, it's British, right? And it was made for a British cast. And so the conflict is class-based. Yeah. So in the, I'm, I'm, I mean, I haven't seen I the original, but it's, but you can see that. That's, that's what you see in the movie. That's what you see yes. in the movie. It's clearly class-based. But what is that in America? Race-based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And particularly, I mean, she's from New Orleans, right? Yeah, that's she's from New Orleans. Orleans. So yeah. you, you see, they're not hitting you over the head with race. Like that is- not in it, the movie. It's not the point of the movie. I think it's but, intentional. Yeah. That's, oh, I agree I, with you. I, yeah. Right. Because they're not, that's yeah. not the, that's not the point. It would of the movie. be a very different movie. But, but consider the fact that for a black person watching this movie, they're seeing somebody from their community, from a place that they can identify with in the same kind of stuck situation who gets to go out and, and just live up life and seize a happy ending for themselves. It's not about race. The movie is not about that, but it is for the kind of yep. people that will identify it because it I, is about race I will race point out one other thing that primed me to be looking at the movie this way, which is the doctor scene. Mm, right? okay. Yeah. She goes in, she gets a CAT scan, and it's from a, uh, I guess, Indian American. Uh, one would assume possibly yeah, Pakistani. Possibly Pakistani. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, and he's kind of nervous and nebbishy. And then- Dr. Gupta. He just completely falls apart when he sees the issue. And she's shown into a office where the brown doctor sits in the corner falling apart while the nice white doctor comes in and explains everything rationally, condescendingly, but he's the one with the brains. It's not the brown doctor. And then the brown doctor is just sort of freaking out the rest of the movie. I I didn't take it that way. But I think that, you know, how I took it, it was the doctor, because again, I don't think it was, I think it was written for all white people in a class world and they've transferred it to this other world. And so the joke with the, with the doctor who gives her the, he, he, that, you know, oh, I'm so broken up that I have to give you this diagnosis to the point that he can't even discuss the diagnosis and they have to bring in another doctor to explain the diagnosis. The, the, and there's a shared look, like you didn't tell her this and, and you know, the guy's in pieces and he's like, and he's like, thanks. I mean, yeah. The joke is that the white doctor has no qualms giving her this horrible news. He does it emotionlessly. 
He yeah. doesn't give a mm-hmm. shit. He yeah, just quite clearly, it. very coldly, and yeah, yeah, and condescendingly, like, oh, I, yeah, I've given you three weeks to live. And yeah. she's like, wait, I'm sorry, what? And yeah. you know, like, it's it's that vibe. While the while the Indian doctor is like breaking down in the corner. Yeah, well, There's, he's he's just not a competence enough doctor. I, no, I didn't know. I didn't, no, I didn't see it as It wasn't competence. I, okay, it wasn't yeah. competence. It was compassion. Yeah, it was the fact that he cared about her so much that he was terrified to give her that news. That's part of the job. Like if it's that's, part of the job, but not in a rom com. I, I think they were making it, and that's why he follows up. He is mm-hmm. doing everything. He follows he up, can. yeah. Like okay. it is I, I did not follow he's, it that he's way. He's the one who discovers, and, and Doctor Gupta is the one who discovers the misdiagnosis because he keeps going. I can't yes. accept this answer. I cannot accept this for her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't accept that I've given her this diagnosis, and so he goes and tests the same machine, and that's how he discovers it was faulty. the The other nod to race that I thought was interesting, and it's a total throwaway, and you may not even notice it necessarily. It's when LL Cool J's character, Sean, shows up at the hotel and he's been hiking through the mountains. He, it's nighttime, it's New Year's Eve. He is exhausted, he is sweating, he's carrying all of his gear. And uh, Georgia is out on the ledge trying to talk Cragen down. Mm-hmm. So like she's, and they kind of see each other from like the courtyard. He looks up and sees her. He's like, stay right there, stay right there. And he goes into the lobby mm. and this is where the bag boy sees him. And he's and, mm-hmm. and Sean is like panting. He's like trying to get to the elevator, and the bag boy's like, oh, "You must be here for Georgia." And he's like, "How did you know?" Because they're the only two black people there. <laughs> well, not true. Not true. That's not true. The, the, the senator, senator, the the senator, senator is, is also there. The state senator from Louisiana is black, and there's a there's a nice interlude between uh, those two between mm-hmm. Georgia and uh, him. And they and they also have a relationship where she gets to kind of put him in his place for basically abandoning for his, selling out for mm-hmm. his community. Yeah, yeah like selling out his community back, yeah. um, and not helping anyway. So that's a whole long. Uh, tangent that I think is you got a lot of subtext to it. I think you can see it either way. Mm-hmm. I the only thing to Don's point about characters changing motivations too quickly. The only one that didn't sit well for me was Cragen. But you kind of have to like yeah. he he just yeah. becomes a nice guy at the end, and you're kind of like, but it's you kind of have to well, do that. And, no, he doesn't. He ends up withdrawing from society along with Doctor Gupta. Well, uh, no, like <laughs> I mean, regarding Georgia, he's like suddenly fine with her. Even though she's well, sort but, of indirectly destroyed, but I his think life. that yeah, but I think that's done. He does because everybody leaves him mm-hmm. at the same time, except for her, and except for her, she comes back to save him. She comes back to save him of all things. Well, that's yeah. what I mean. She's always so fucking nice. What do you think, Trevor? <laughs> I don't know. I I like it. I and I think with the farce thing, like to the point of like things that aren't entirely believable. There's you know when she goes and there, we have the fashion montage of her at the store, like a little kind of fashion boutique in a. Mm-hmm vacation town oh, yeah. in Prague <laughs> would probably not have clothes that would fit. That, that was the most unbelievable the point of like, <laughs> where it's like, there are so many outfits that she is rejecting. Off the rack. Yeah. Off the rack. Yeah. But okay. like, I don't want, like you don't want that in, in your movie. movie yeah. Yeah. Especially because the first thing the employee says to her is like, well, we can try to find something yeah. that will fit well, you. It's no, she, doesn't it, fit. she doesn't say fit. She make, make Georgia make walks look, in and uh, says, "Make me look international." Right. Yeah. Right. And then she says, "We can, we can try. try. We yeah. can try." It's, so it's, but that's the thing. Again, coming from the British roots, where it's classist. Yeah. It's about, and then, and then what she tries on is incredibly American hip. Yeah. yeah, and she ends up wearing just the most amazing fashion stuff throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, the unbelievable part is this tiny shop in Prague, probably the hotel shop even, mm-hmm. has anything that would fit her, which is nonsense. <laughs> which I, nonsense. I think would be the same. Like with like, I think you could still have that scene with you know John Candy going into like a well, the little course. men's shop, and I think it, it would, would be, be the same thing of like make me look international, and it's like. We can try. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, if John Candy does it, he's only always going to end up in a tux. 
Yeah. Or something laughably yeah, unfashionable or mm-hmm, laughably yeah. non-workable. But then the movie doesn't work, at least yeah. in the same way. All right. Uh, I checked the time earlier. It was 42 minutes. And I checked the time again just now. And it's an hour and two minutes. So I think it is time to, to move on. Uh, yeah. Oh, Dan wants to wrap up. I want to have a pee break. <laughs> oh my god no okay we're not pulling over <laughs> we'll come I, I will say if trevor right has had to suffer through a bit needing to pee i don't know yeah but that's because he's <laughs> so i feel so much lighter we could keep going <laughs> dan Drop has relieved a child himself off, dan yeah <laughs> he's back from his sojourn to the bathroom <sighs> that's a load off my mind <laughs> well, do we have a tip today uh, I didn't watch Happy Last Holidays. Holiday. Watch, yeah. yeah, watch Last Holiday. Happy Holidays. Watch Last Holiday. Um, have some hot cocoa. Yeah. Ooh, hot cocoa. Trevor f- prefers his with marshmallows. Yes. Well, we do have a bit, so. Let's get the bit. <laughs> Let's get bitsy. <laughs> get bit. Bit um, I thought today, since we have we are enjoying such a lovely holiday movie, that we would take a little foray into the wonderful world of what the fuck holiday movies. Okay. I love forays. Um, there is some strange stuff out there. For some reason, I guess people feel like if they're going to do low budget and weird, Christmas may be a great way to do it. So uh, we've got we've got quite the list. All right, all right. Santa Claus, aka Santa Claus versus the Devil, <laughs> is a 1959 Mexican fantasy film. <gasps> In it, Satan has taken a disliking to Santa, who strives to make good children out of bad. So he sends a bright red dancing demon to Earth on a mission to ruin Christmas by making all the children of Earth do evil. These children conspire to take Santa and turn him into Satan's servant. This explains Trevor so much. Yes. (laughs) In it... He's wearing red. (laughs) In it... What sets Santa's workshop apart from other versions of the Fantastic Factory? Ah. One... It's a sweatshop in space manned by children. (laughs) Two, all of its workers are scantily clad women. Uh, Three, mm. the workshop is set in the New York sewer system and rats make the presents. (laughs) Or four, the toy shop is worked by living toys who occasionally use their own body parts in their creations. Oh my God. Um, women in bikinis. Yeah. We got two for women in bikinis. I'm yeah. Women B B movie oh, schlock. I think just universally women in bikinis. B movie okay. schlock. I'm going yeah. for it. All right. Well, the correct answer is in fact, it's a sweatshop in space manned by children. What? Damn. Damn. So the devil are the children's never mind. Has a valid <laughs> are the yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I stopped on. that halfway through. <laughs> yeah, as well you should have. Um and, and, and as, just as an aside, in case you were worried about Santa, uh Merlin the magician is his sidekick through the movie. So I'm sure he'll do fine. Santa's sidekick? Yeah. Or Satan's Santa's Santa's. Santa's. Go figure. All right. In What She Wants for Christmas. A 10-year-old girl writes to the North Pole asking Santa for something very special this year. When she realizes she's not getting what she asked for, what does she do? One, starts a conspiracy where children overthrow world governments in a children's coup in an attempt to build a better world. (laughs) Two, steals the nice list from Mrs. Claus during a rather graphic scene where she waterboards Mrs. Claus with mulled (gasps) cider. Oh my God. Jesus. Three, Kidnap Santa, ties him to a chair, and tries to force him to cough up the goods. Or four, leads a group of bad children from the naughty list to the North Pole to commit the greatest heist never planned. 
I, like I think the, fourth one. I want the heist. fourth one, but it's probably the third one. Yeah, <laughs> I, want, I want the heist movie, but it's probably just like give me my give me my presents. No, give me my presents. No, give me my <laughs> what, presents. No. What year is this? <laughs> uh, the year on this movie is twenty twelve. I think heist. I think, I think children heist. I don't know this. Santa tied up or um, Mrs. Claus. The waterboarding. waterboarding. <laughs> the apple cider boarding. I would say waterboarding because it's just more twisted and I. Colorful. Yeah. Okay. It's cinnamon flavored. The correct answer is, in fact, kidnap Santa, ties him to a chair, and I tries knew to it. force yeah. him to come up. I knew it. You realist. Yeah, <laughs> I believe I believe in the ineptitude of B filmmakers. <laughs> I have to admit, whenever I get through these things, I'm always like, I like my plot ideas better. Exactly. A little background for you. While this shockingly generic plot synopsis is pretty much the only description I could find, it's for the movie version of a pretty well-known PC video game series. Oh. While the video game has had seven different sequels and spinoffs, this movie isn't likely to get even one. What is the name? Of the movie and video game described by this synopsis. When Santa's half-wit brother kidnaps the elves, Santa and super elf Lex team up to save the day. Is it one, Santa's sleigh ride, S-L-A-Y, two, Frosty's tropic adventure, three, Rudolph's extreme mini golf challenge, (laughs) or four, elf bowling I'm torn between uh, golf and elf bowling. Yeah, those are the two I'm going for. Because I don't think, this doesn't sound like the game that has the kind of budget to do more than one thing. It sounds like like they either did a bowling game or they did an elf game and they came up with a crazy synopsis. I don't know how they got a movie out of any of these. Well, people ask that, of course, about all video game movies. I'm gonna <laughs> s- well, some of, well, anyway, moving on from that. I'm going to say um, bowling because I feel like Golf is like a like. There's more physics and stuff in that in a game. Yeah, and bowling games are have been a thing for decades. Yeah. I'm, I'm I don't even know about video games, and I'm going with bowling. I, okay. I'm bowling. All yeah. right, we got three for bowling. We're all wrong, of course, but and the correct <laughs> answer is, in fact, Merry Christmas, boys! Elf bowling, yeah, joy for everyone. Points. It's a all holiday around. miracle. <laughs> yes, there are in fact seven different sequels and spinoffs to elf elf bowling. There Jesus. is a, I think it was a Pepsi sponsored, uh, like consolidated version of Elf Bowling One and Two. Uh, it, yeah, it's <laughs> Elf Bowling is a real game. Does this involve like politically incorrect depictions of little people being pushed over with big? Yeah, balls? it's elves as bowling pins. Yeah, and so that, you you bowl and you knock over the Ooh, elves. Boy, and they seem very happy about it. <laughs> so. Yay! Maybe a little too happy about it. <laughs> Hey, don't kink shame them. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Elves love being bald. Oh, Elf bowling the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's. You had long- to verify I wasn't making this. No up, longer just a video. We, game. We've jumped off the dam. Let's pull the ripcord. <laughs> 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 Trevor, if people can uh, sign up for Elf bowling via the podcast, <laughs> where would they do that? <laughs> well, we're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Five stars there. Five stars on Apple Podcast. Support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash bigbetgaypod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigbetgaypod.com. No elves were harmed. Maybe you're listening to this and it's Christmas Eve and you watch less holiday and you listen to this and you're finishing up your cocoa. There's a glow coming from outside and you're going to the window. What is that? What is... 
could that be? And it's it's my like glowing red butt. <laughs> and we're coming to your house to bring you a, a present. So. Uh. Damn, watch, watch out. out. <laughs> I had I had to do it just to make sure. <laughs> Merry Christmas, okay. everyone. Goodbye. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. In the spirit of Christmas and Kwanzaa. We're going to go Kwanzaa caroling this year? <laughs>